Retail Oasis Retail Wrap Up for 2023, the podcast for retailers. You're joined by retail strategist and enthusiast, Maddie Colmer, that's me, as well as the founder of Retail Oasis, Steve Colmer. We'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners and custodians of the land on which we live, work, and of course, record this podcast, the Guy Margle people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging, and we extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people here today. Welcome to our latest episode of the Retail Wrap-Up Podcast, and today we have an absolute powerhouse duo joining us, the co-founders of Homie, Marcus Crook and Nick Pierce. Get ready to be blown away because Homie isn't just your run-of-a-mill retail brand. Oh no, these guys are like retail superheroes, fighting to break down stereotypes and empower young people affected by homelessness or hardship. They took the industry playbook and literally tossed it out the window and wrote their own rules. It all started back in 2015 with a little Facebook page called Homelessness of Melbourne. But Marcus and Nick wanted to do more than just post stories. They wanted to make a real impact to give a voice to those who needed it most and create a fashion revolution while they were at it. Fast forward to today and Homie has exploded onto the scene like a retail supernova. From a humble pop-up store in Melbourne Central to their flagship location on Brunswick Street. These guys are redefining what it means to be fashion forward. It's not just about looking good, it's also about making a statement, a brilliant mix of purpose and creativity. But Homie doesn't stop at killer fashion. They've got some serious programs that will knock your socks off. VIP days, check. Homie Pathway Alliance program, double check. They're all about arming young people with the skills, confidence and experience they need to take on the world. Sitting down with Marcus and Nick was an absolute blast. These guys are the real deal. Visionaries, trailblazers with just a sprinkle of mischief thrown in for good measure. We dug deep into their journey, their dreams, and of course, we had a few laughs along the way. So buckle up, turn up the volume, and get ready to be blown away by the brilliance that is homey as we dive into the minds of Nick Pierce and Marcus Crook. A huge welcome to Marcus Crook and Nick Pierce of Homie. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you guys so much for your time today. We'd love if you guys could kick off by just giving us and our listeners an insight into who is Homie, what is Homie. Tell to us about, you know, the purpose, how you got started all the way from a Facebook page to a, a beautiful business. Yeah, maybe I can talk to the sort of, I guess, um, history markets can maybe talk more to the, the brand and the apparel side, I guess, might work best, given that's how we sort of operate <laughs> as a combo. But um, so so we're, we're, we're an organisation, we're a registered charity here in Australia that supports young people um, affected by homelessness and hardship with skills, confidence and experiences to be more work ready and better prepared for their futures. Um, in, in layman's terms, we, we sell T-shirts, streetwear clothing, we use 100% of the profits to provide um, employment pathways to young people. Um, it's been a long journey to get to that place, but um, it's been a, a great one. Um, I think we're really buoyed by the fact that I guess, you know, the, the industry of retail itself is it's the biggest employer of young people and, and youth homelessness as an issue is, is so overrepresented in Australia. So it's been a, a wonderful marriage to make. Um, and we're excited about the possibility of, of retail being a big solution to this longstanding issue. Um, but I guess, you know, it's been a um, an iterative process for sure. I mean, I think um, as you touched on, Maddie, we, we started a Facebook page initially just trying to raise awareness um, about homelessness and try and, you know, um, I guess challenge some of the stigmas that exist um, and dispel some of those preconceived notions towards homelessness. Um, and that was through this medium of the Facebook page. 
uh, which was called Homelessness of Melbourne. Um, Home is an acronym for it stands for Homelessness of Melbourne Incorporated Enterprise, which is a nice little uh, natural fit there as well. But um, I guess um, what we learned was that yes, there were there were so many. Um, I guess, stereotypes that were perpetuated through the mainstream media in regards to homeless system. Marcus and I just decided to go and speak to someone one day um, on Swanson Street, obviously just out the front of uh, Melbourne Central in, in Melbourne and, and have a chat and try and understand their story. And and I guess it really um, yeah, challenged that narrative and we got quite passionate about the fact that there was such a misrepresentation um, and I just thought, wow, you know, um, we always looked at it as a, a homeless person, right? But it was it was rather a person experiencing homelessness. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really powerful, we thought. And we wanted to try and share that um, insight with people and um, those stories really connected. So we started a Facebook page, um, which was essentially, you know, an emulation of um, humans in New York, you know, and s- sharing the stories of the people uh, with their consents and in their own words to try and, yeah, just provide, I guess, the, the real story, if you will. Um and that, you know, garnered a lot of organic traction um, and, um, you know, amassed a, a large following of people saying, oh, you know, I'd walk past Jeff every day, you know, um, when I was on my way to work through Melbourne Central and I never, you know, thought to go and have a chat and, I, you know, I read their story and, and you know, realised we love the same music and it was the first time in a year I'd spoken to them and it was really lovely and I'm going to go see him tomorrow and I guess it was really breaking down these barriers, which is really lovely for us to hear that, you know, these small gestures were making a big difference. Um but obviously, yeah, that's a Facebook page and that's sharing stories. And, you know, it was, you know, um, in these people's own words and with their consent, um, which is really important for us. And and that just evolved, I guess, into what's next. You know, we've, we've seen that, you know, there's just value in a small gesture here and trying to change the narrative. I guess that evolved um, into, um, you know, that evolved into, okay, what else can we do? And the community online was saying, um, yeah, look, you know, we're, we um, we want to do more. We, we've obviously, this is, this is fantastic and we're loving this, but what else can we do? And we saw an initiative that had started um, in South Africa called The Street Store, which was a a pop-up thrift shop, which is a global initiative. Uh, And we ran Australia's first ever version of that um, in Fed Square in December 2014. So uh, we, we, I guess, gathered our community and we um, connected with some, some retailers, which is wonderful. It provided, you know, brand new clothing or really good quality clothing that they were in part with and invited the people that we were speaking to uh, through the, the Homelessness of Melbourne um, journey as well as uh, the services that we connected to along the way and um, brokered this kind of dignified shopping experience. And the idea was to try and bridge that gap and make sure that um, we could instill, yeah, this this day of dignity and provide a tangible way for our community to get involved, but also for those who are receiving to have a you know a positive experience. Um, and it worked really well. I mean, there was so many insights. I think um, you know at the time, which were really helpful in terms of informing the next step. But again, we had a Facebook page that was you know I guess raising awareness. We did one event that was providing brand new clothing that was a really lovely experience, but it was a day. And then the question came, well, what else can we do? You know, this is we're really buoyed by the um, energy that we're getting from from this and we can see there's real value um, and we need to do more of this and we need to do it better. And I guess that's how Homie evolved and sort of uh, um, was, you know, sort of uh, uh, precursor to what to what is now um, this organisation. So I might um, hand to, to Marcus to talk about that next step because that was kind of the the leap that we took after that event. Yeah, I guess the clothing sort of came about from that. We were trying to raise money through a crowdfunding campaign for this new venture. We were offered a space in Melbourne Central and, you know, we had, um, you know, no clothing at the time, um, no racks or fittings and fixtures or any real idea how to run a business um, for that matter. And um, we pulled on pulled on all our networks and 
um, printed our logo off the Facebook page on some T-shirts. Uh, we found that um, we also had samples in there from Stussy and Cotton On and various other streetwear brands that we were connected to at the time. And we found a lot of people gravitating towards our product, um, you know, simple logo, um, the monogram front and back and more and more people wanting to support what we're doing and get behind our cause and, you know, you know, feeling that sense of identity and, and wanting to be involved. We find that a lot of people want to get involved in um, projects and they want to help, um, but they just sort of don't know where to start. And we, this sort of gave them that opportunity to be part of something that was bigger and also made it easy for people, you know, like everyone needs clothes. So if they could jump in and buy a T-shirt and know that it's supporting something um, bigger for the community, we found that that was an easy way for us to do it and we were already in the retail space. So that's sort of how the brand sort of organically grew. Um, we fitted out, um, we were shuffled around Melbourne Central three or four different times, different locations, couldn't get, you know, our roots in the ground there. Um, and slowly and slowly we, we put more and more logos on T-shirts. We started to engage in local artists to be, um, to help us design clothing and, and we had artist series and, and stuff like that. And by the time we moved out to Brunswick Street a year later, um, that was sort of um, a moment looking back, which was a big step for us in it, all the product was just our own at the time. So, um, yeah, the brand sort of really grew organically and it was driven driven by consumers in a way, but it wasn't something we anticipated when we first started out, that's for sure. Did you always know it was going to be apparel that you used to get this awareness, this message across? Was it always apparel in your mind or was it ever a different product? Good question. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I mean, I think um, the question that we asked is like, how can we create something that our friends would want to support and, and what are they kind of subscribing to and, and what cultures are they kind of a part of? And, and we thought that streetwear has always been really dynamic and progressive, you know, and, and um, dare I say, well, maybe not you know, political at times, et cetera, right? But it's always been proactive, you know, for, for causes. So so we kind of thought, I guess, that it felt like a really nice conduit to connect with young people. Uh, I guess our whole thing is trying to change attitudes, right? Well, that's one part of it and provide these pathways. So we thought, can we kind of... Um, positively infiltrate, you know, this kind of market um, and provide this, you know, alternative additional offering to to that consumer base. Because if we can get them early and young, we can really have that transformative change in terms of these, you know, long-standing attitudes. Um, and also, I guess, um, Marcus probably talked to the fact that, um, you know, it's an enjoyable medium as well. It kind of is, uh, it's nice to have um, that element of our, our business when we have obviously the impact side, which is super critical and, and what we do it for, but also it's, it's fun at times, right. To, 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 you know, be designing and coming up with new concepts ranges and seeing people wear your stuff as well. But yeah, I defer to you as well, Marcus, obviously. Yeah. We, we found it a good way also to spread our message and, you know, have our customers be a billboard for our mission, you know, so everyone's out there every day wearing our stuff. Um, our, a lot of our design, elements have subtle um, messages around the issue of homelessness or kindness or happiness and positivity in general. So if we're able to um, not only engage this community but have them sort of spreading that message as well, we found that um, clothing was a great medium for that. Um, and, you know, being involved in, like, the arts community as well, um, everyone, you know, is really progressive and, and wanting to help out and with. We've had, you know, such a 
great response from you know consumers and supporters and um yeah it's it's been an amazing organic journey for the brand it's beautiful and it sounds like you know since the the kind of inception of the idea in 2015 till now you've really grown i mean even from going from like that pop-up one day to an entire flagship store where you offer social impact programs like vip days and the Homey Pathway Alliance program. Maybe you could talk to us a little bit about these programs that you've got going on and, um, can, yeah, give us a bit of an insight into them. Mm. Yeah, I guess the um, the VIP day is essentially an extension of the um, the pop-up sort of initiative that we've done in Fed Square, the street store sort of day. So the whole idea was to try and create this dignified shopping experience. And I guess we play to that notion of, who a VIP day, you know, or who a VIP customer is, you know, in the sense that traditionally it's probably people who have a lot of money and kind of can, you know, um, afford those luxury kind of experiences, et cetera. And I guess we thought, um, what if we sort of flip that on its head and our VIP customers were those who uh, unfortunately haven't had those opportunities. Um, and and the whole idea was that um, once a month um, we would close our sort of the public um, and we would host a VIP day shopping event where we um, would invite a local homelessness service to come into our store and shop for free and get to choose five items of brand new clothing and we have um, barber services and, and beauty treatments and food and coffee and, and I guess it was just a real pick-me-up kind of um, offering and, and we thought there was as I say a real merit in that to sort of you know maybe it's not going to change someone's life but certainly might make their their day or their week a bit easier in a really challenging time um, and I guess from from that um itself we had a number of different services and people that we were interacting with and, and we saw a lot of young people coming through the doors and we were getting this direct feedback saying hey um and you know at that point in time when we first started the program you know it was all voluntary the operation and we were sort of just trying to um trade whilst we were working part-time jobs and you know all the rest of that um and we were hosting these days and we were getting you know as i said this really valuable feedback from these young people saying like hey had an awesome time, um, but I need a job. I'm finding it really hard to get work. I've got no work experience, nothing on my resume. No one will give me a go. Um, and, and at that point in time, I guess, as Marcus said, our brand was becoming more popular and the business was, you know, making more sales, et cetera. And we were in a position to be able to start paying staff. And, you know, um, I guess that was exciting because, you know, there was this aha moment around, well, what if we started having some of these young people we're meeting on these days who could come in and I guess just learn on the job as we're doing so as well, right? So we can kind of learn together how to, fold clothing and do the customer service and all the rest of that. And, and we just saw such immense value in terms of the soft skill development and the confidence, um, as well as professional, um, I guess, uh, experience that people were gaining, um, ourselves included. Uh, and we just thought, well, there's a real opportunity here to, I guess, do something more than just the VIP days. Uh, we thought, you know, employment could be a really, you know, a key component of, I guess, the value adds that we're seeking to create in this ecosystem of, of homelessness. And, and I guess, um, yeah, it's, it's evolved, um, you know, almost exponentially since then. And, you know, um, the, the, the pathway Alliance is an eight month page retail training and employment program, um, where we pay the young people to study. They, they, um, obtain a cert three in business. Um, and uh, and we also provide um, guaranteed work either on the homey shop floor with some really wonderful retail partners in, in the Haynes Brands Group and the Retail Prodigy Group through some of their flagship brands such as, you know, Champion and Nike um, and, and training um, their stores and their staff to be able to provide this kind of empathetic employment, um, I guess, um, model and framework, which has been 
amazing. So, so for us, I think it's taken us a long time to sort of realize that that's where we can provide so much value because, you know, unfortunately youth homelessness is so overrepresented and it's such a key barrier uh, in terms of a solution to independence. We're trying to get young people to live those happy and healthy lives. And yes, of course, you know, um, housing is, is the solution to homelessness, but it's sustainable housing and that requires the provision of an income and a career to give purpose and all those things right as well. So I guess we thought, we, we can't do it all. We, we always say we can't do everything for everyone, but we can do something for someone. So we decided we've got, you know, I guess a, a young, um, vibrant, progressive brand. And we thought that the best place that we can be working is with young people providing that kind of platform and that launching pad um, into, obviously, um, jobs and, and careers, whether that's in the retail industry or outside. But as you both know and appreciate, it's a wonderful conduit, you know, to so many different things, retail, uh, experience, you know, obviously the interpersonal skill development and the soft skills and all those things hold you in such wonderful stead uh, for any sort of career. So we just thought, you know, let's make a real goal of this. And, and that's what we're trying to do now is get as many young people as possible into these employment pathways because they do work. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing um, contribution yeah. to society. Um, and, and while we're talking about that, let's just kind of dig in a little bit further because you guys have begun to build a reputation for clearly for so socially conscious fashion. Um, but, but incorporating your values, you know, the values you talk about transparency, you talk about integrity, you talk about creativity and respect, how do you kind of work with those back into what you produce and how you showcase? Mm. Marcus, it sounds like a beauty yeah. man. <laughs> Yeah, I guess um, across our product and, and our business as well, those um, values be high. Um, you know, we regard those very, the very important values. And um, across our supply chain, we work with um, an agency in Sydney called Maker and Co. Who only work with ethical factories and um, you know uh, do regular compliance checks and have all the certifications that we require. So um, that's super important for us because yeah. it wouldn't make sense for, for us to be, you know, employing and supporting people here in Australia but exploiting people overseas. That's just not yeah. that's right. about. It wouldn't make sense for, for our business. So um, that's really important. We also are very conscious of um, the impact it has on the environment in terms of waste and landfill. Um, we have a upcycle range called Reborn Cycles and repurposes all of our excess product, whether that's faulties or returns. But because we don't have a lot of that, um, because we give away uh, most of our clothing on our VIP days, um, we partner with other brands to help them um, do that. So we partner with Champion. We get a lot of their returns, faulties and excess, upcycle that in our studio here in Collingwood and get that back, um, you know, onto our website, into our store and help provide a circular solution for them um, because we understand that uh, the impact that fashion is having on society. But if we can help brands provide that circularity, um, yeah, and it also provides creatives and local designers jobs in, in our warehouse as well. So um, we're really passionate about that and doing the right thing by not only the people that we support but the planet as well and, um, that's sort of embedded in our across our business. I think that's really beautiful, and I definitely think it's really important. Like you said, you can't just be you know consumer facing, great for the planet. You also have to be looking at your suppliers, looking at your materials, looking at the workers in the factories. Like 
it, it's so big a picture. It can't just be what the customer sees. It has to be so much more and it has to be ingrained in the business. Yeah, yeah. ingrained and that whole principle of transparency. I know we kind of take it a bit for granted, but you know, really following through and making sure that the entire logistics and supply chain are being transparent and you're very clear about mm. what you're getting. Or not. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we work with um, Maker and Co in Sydney, who also um, provide um, clothing for Champion as well. That came through that connection as well. So yeah, we're very confident in um, their processes and and um, the level of certif certification that um, factories and businesses um, offshore have to to meet to to be able to work with an agency like. Like Maker and Co, we also work with local manufacturers where we can here in Australia um, for all of our accessories, beanies and socks. So, um, trying to support the industry here as much as we can as well. Oh, that's really good. So, mm. I mean, I think it's incredibly impressive the fact that you've combined these kind of two interrelated activities into one enterprise. Um, so, you know, when we talk, you talk about how you've supported nearly fifteen hundred young people to date. Um, could you share maybe a success story or a memorable moment that exemplifies the kind of positive impact that Homie has had on a young person's life? Or well, more than one. We'd love yeah. to hear something. No, look, definitely. I mean, I think um, we, it's, it's, we've, I think we've, we've ticked over the 2,000 mark now, which is amazing, um, which is oh, yeah, no. another great milestone. Um, but, um, no, certainly we can, we can absolutely share. I think... Um, I guess it's just amazing what an opportunity can do and being a piece of the puzzle. So, you know, insights around, we've had young people who, um, for instance, probably, you know, one that I'm just thinking off the top of my head, uh, a young person who was um, one of the first people to go through our Pathway Alliance program and um, I guess um, in that period of time had obviously, um, you know, had, had challenges prior, of, of course, like we all do at times, um, but um, fully immersed himself in that program and, um they they then um, achieved a, um, a sort of leadership role working at one of our retail partners at the time in in Cotton On uh, for for a considerable period of time, and then that evolved into um, a, a, a genius position at an Apple store, you know, in, in one of the biggest um, you know um, shopping centres in in the country, um, and and has since now um, come back to work um, in in HR for for a, um, a, I guess a community organisation. Um, and that's over the space of, you know, a, a sort of five or so year period, right? Which is which is awesome. And we certainly can't take credit. And that's just one story, for um, you know, for the entirety of that. But I guess we were there for a part of it and provided, I guess, a logical value add along the way. And I just think, you know, for us, there's just, you know, young people have so much to offer, and they just need opportunity sometimes. And as I say, there are these barriers, you know, whether they're um, physical or not. Um, that prevent, you know, those kind of things from manifesting because of, you know, unfortunately these these attitudinal um, behaviours that exist. So, so that's one example, and I just think it's lovely. We always see people who often have come from a place of um, having those personal challenges that, you know, go full circle and come back and want to support. Um, and that's exemplified in our VIP day programs now as well, where um, those days are now sort of co-facilitated and we have participation from graduates of our employment program. So it's wonderful to see someone go from one end of the counter as sort of a VIP day customer, you know, and then eight months later, potentially they're serving someone else and saying, hey, welcome to Homie today. You know, I was actually here on a VIP day and they've got this employment program and you should apply because I'm living here now and I'm working here. And, you know, so it's, it's really powerful, you know, and look, this isn't, 
you know, thousands or hundreds of thousands or, or whatnot in terms of, um, you know, the, the impact, I guess, on a, a numbers basis. But, um, you know, it's quality over quantity. And, and this is the way that you can affect real, lasting, you know, long-term change. Because that story is over the period of that young person is over the period of years. It's not just that we came in for a couple of weeks and, you know, um, gave a bit of sort of shop experience. It's 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 very comprehensive and very meticulous. And, and, and that's the application that's required to, to yield um, real change. So we're very committed to doing that. Um, you know, that's that's very important to us, as you say, in terms of our values, respect to the issue. And, and it's something that, as I say, for us, we need to make sure that um, we can't do it half-baked because, you know, it's it's someone's life and livelihood that you're trying to impact and the implications of not doing that well, you know, um, we would much rather do it better than not, of course. Yeah, and, and you kind of hit the nail on the head when before when you said, you know, looking after this group of people that you guys have identified as in need, it's more than like here's a little handout or something. It's going, I want to look at you as a human and understand that this has to be sustainable for you and it's got to be more than just where are you sleeping tonight. It's got to be about where are you sleeping for the future Like how and how do you help that person's career progress. It kind of makes me think a little bit about this place that we visited back in 2020 in Seattle. We somehow managed to travel in 2020. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, right in the beginning, and we went to a restaurant that was actually being run by Amazon, but every person within there... I started off in the same place, which was that they were they called themselves unemployable. And so Amazon went, well, no, we're going to help you guys and we're going to teach you this pathway in, through F&B. And, and then out of that, we heard the most incredible success stories of yeah. people who've gone on to manage the entire facility and they had gone from nothing, you know. Yeah. And in, each ca- in most cases, yeah. they were people who had served time. Yeah, and it was... And because of that, had it on their kind of record, mm-hmm. really establish themselves and they weren't homeless they'd actually come from jail but same thing there's a kind of this barrier to entry uh, emotional and a physical and the fact that amazon had set up this restaurant and said well look you run it you find bring them in and so often these these were people coming straight out of jail spending a week or so in the kitchen and then and then a couple of weeks in the front of house surfing. Yeah. So it was a way of reintroducing them and bringing them back into society. And but having it, that line on their resume that but says... But in a really meaningful yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's right. You know, you sort of, again, sort of that resonates in the sense that it's... it's we, we make sure that the past, you know, doesn't define the future, of course, you know. So it's about where are we heading. So I guess there's three pillars that we sort of really focusing on in terms of our empathetic employment model, which is, you know, it's a strengths-based approach, as you say. So it's, it's, it's never looking at, okay, well, what have been, you know, the prior barriers or challenges and letting them define any individuals? Okay, well, let's really lean into what the strengths are. Um, we always work with unconditional positive regard as well. Uh, that's, you know, very much a, a key, you know, um, element of, of, of the success. And then the last one, which is probably the most important, is that we, we always meet underperformance with curiosity. And if you make that... You know, minor adjustment and tweak. And, you know, there are time and time again, you know, there's these perceptions around, oh, well, person's late because, you know, we've made an assumption and they're tardy and all the rest of that. And, you know, um, often there can be a very logical explanation, whereas, well, actually, you know what, I was having to support my family. I, you know, I essentially operate as the head of the household as well as I'm still a you know, person who's um, a young adult and I'm trying to look after my siblings and then I'm also, you know, um, we're struggling in X, Y, Z. And once you understand that and you can work out, well, how can we actually remove those barriers for you? Um, it's 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 such a simple thing that everyone has the capacity to do um, and it can really change, I guess, um, the interactions and the outcomes. Um, so I think those three elements and ingredients are key to success. Yeah, I guess for me, 
I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself, what you've done in, in helping um, young people, in, in hindered young people, establish a career for themselves or establish a learning for themselves that helps them advance in life is something that should be more prevalent in retail, full stop. Mm. Well, that's, look, that means, funny you say, that's, that's what we're trying to do. And, I, and as I say, I hope there are perspective, I'm sure there are, of course, you know, retailers that are listening to this and thinking, wow, this is the kind of program or young people that we could certainly seek value in having in our workplace because we're trying to do two things. We're trying to deliver this this empathetic employment training to, to, to retailers, you know, and to businesses at large who can adopt this, this mindset. We have the infrastructure. We have the formula. And there are so many young people who just need an opportunity, as I say. And, and you know, those three ingredients, um, you know, they it's amazing what they can do in terms of outcomes for all parties concerned. We've also seen with the retail partners that we do have, the FEEP's been amazing in that, you know, our workforce um, even, we've seen a standard lift and shift because people are trying to set, you know, a more positive example um, and, and then they're not taking the opportunity for granted for themselves because they're seeing what it can do for someone um, who, who's needed this much more than they potentially have as well. So it's been wonderful, I guess. We also, you know, to sort of preface, we, um, you know, young people, um, you know, de-identified in the sense that they enter into the workplace as an intern, you know, in, in, in homey, and it's important they've got that agency as well. And some obviously feel comfortable disclosing their personal story and situation to their colleagues, and some don't, and, and both are absolutely fine. But what we have found is that there's such a deeper appreciation when the workforce know, oh, wow, we've got, you know, some team members who... Um, are in this program and um, it's really important for us to make sure that it's a positive experience for them as well. So it's been amazing in terms of, I think, those cultural shifts that have happened as a result of this. So as I say, our, our, our belief inherently is that retail is, is very much um, a key ingredient to, to the solution of, um, of, you know, eradicating youth homelessness. It's, yeah. it's so represented, you know, young people, um, you know, in terms of the homeless population, you know, more than one quarter, um, of the total homeless population is under the age of 24, you know, and, and that's, that's pretty staggering. And um, actually 60% of the homeless population is people who are 35 years and, and under. So, so most homelessness by far and large is actually young people um, for the most part. I mean, I guess that's something that, you know, we, we often probably don't hear enough and understand. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just so overrepresented. It's not funny, but we really believe that, um, you know, as I say, the, the, Retail is a launching pad, you know, and it, yes, there are amazing, fruitful, wonderful careers in this industry, but what you can gain from, you know, even a, a role sort of working on the shop floor uh, as a customer service representative, et cetera, so much is invaluable in terms of what that can do for you um, in life. So, um, yeah, we, we really feel it's a, you know, a big you piece. You talk about your retail partners and you mentioned Cotton On before and you mentioned Apple. Are they part of that partnership? Uh, we've done different things of different organisations, to be honest. So some have been part of it, you know, um, very early days in terms of getting that off the ground, um, and then some have sort of come in at different times. Um, the, the two biggest partners right now are um, the Haynes Brands Group in, in, in Champion, which has been a really great fit for us because we're um, we actually also, you know, we do um, collaborations together in terms of apparel, and that's awesome to get our brand more visible, sort of on a national, you that's know, and nice national level. The two, yeah. 
Yeah, it's been a really nice fit for us. Um, and then um, with the retail project group, working with some of the Nike franchises as well. Because the thing is, yeah, young people also love working for these aspirational brands. You know, the feedback is, I, I never thought I'd be working in, in Nike or Champ. You know what I mean? It's, it's amazing that these are the kind of opportunities that they deserve. And I think it's really important. We, we feel that we want to make sure they're getting the best possible opportunities that exist and yeah. finding those values aligned partners um, that are keen to come on that journey with us. Because if you do the work, uh, it certainly um, has amazing outcomes so um yeah we're pretty passionate about it as you can probably tell <laughs> yeah definitely. oh look i just feel it's quite extraordinarily admirable thank yeah. you yeah and we've, and we've found such a launching pad into other um careers and opportunities as well you know um we have a young person who um, finished with us and now works in the reborn team and has just designed uh, a whole collection um of reborn and disney which is launching in a couple of weeks time so um, you know, the opportunities there for younger people to use retail just as a launching pad into other careers, whether that's creative, whether it's photography and video. Um, you know, uh, we have workshops with the young people, you know, uh, in multiple areas of the business across creative and design. So just trying to give um, young people all of those opportunities to seek out, you know, what they're interested in and, and sort of set them off on that pathway to, um, you know, a better future. Wow, that's beautiful. I mean, it really, it, yeah, I, I hope that this kind of inspires more retailers to get on board with this purpose and, and you know, hopefully partner with you guys because I think that there's definitely, I mean, Steve just wrote down here that retail has a responsibility in reducing homelessness within Australia or anywhere around the world. Really, we it do. It does. That's, that's, uh, thanks. So that's, that's amazing insight. We, we, yeah, as I say, that's something that we believe so passionately about. And I think, um, is, there, is there a quote? Something, I think I sort of linked in. It's like, not everyone can work in retail, but if you've worked in retail, you can work anywhere. That's um, it. <laughs> I saw, and that's, that's so true, you know, for, for us. That, that, again, aligns so deeply to what we're about. So, no, we appreciate advocacy, honestly, because we're trying to elevate, um, you know, this, this cause, this mission. Um, and as you say, it very um, much does have a, um, a place in being part of the solution, um, the retail industry at large, for sure. Definitely. I'd love if we could maybe switch gears slightly uh, to you, Marcus. I'd just love to understand, how do you infuse your creative processes and, you know, also bringing in um, innovation into the process of creating these garments when, like, you're trying to fuse creativity with purpose? Like, is it difficult to create items? Like, how does how does that kind of process work for you? Yeah, I guess it's been sort of the primary focus for for the brand and, um, you know, since we started um, is to create those um, brand experiences where people can walk away and it's it's more than just the clothing. It's, you know, you're buying into an opportunity for young people, um, you know, so whether that we do that by, you know, subtle design elements on the clothing, whether it's a message that people can, um, that can stop and make people think or, um, you know, the person buying it can share the story of, of why um, it, it makes an impact. Um, or, or whether it's our storytelling, um, you know, whether it's videos, photos, or um, to, you know, help get our message across. Um, it's really important for us, though, to be, you know, at the forefront of that and um, continuously, uh, yeah, being, being at the front end and, and um, you know, sort of getting that, that message across because without profit, there's, there's no purpose for us. So um, it's really important to be on trend and, you know, hitting the right um, market so that we can, you know, support our programs and be a sustainable business. So, yeah, I do, you know, a lot of research, um, you know, constantly trying to look for ways to 
you know, bring in revenue for, for the business, you know, whether that's across events or partnerships. Um, we found that our collaborations have been, you know, really successful, you know, working with brands like Champion and Disney and, you know, Nobody Denims, like these sort of people that you, you grow up and you just mm. um, never anticipate possibly, you know, partnering um, with a brand like, like this has been absolutely awesome that, you know, they've really jumped on board and been really inspired by what we're doing and, and really keen to jump jump in and, and be part of our mission to help combat youth homelessness. So, um, yeah, I think, yeah, we're really lucky in, um, in the way that the community supported us, um, yeah, over, over the eight years and will continue to provide opportunities for people to engage with us, whether that's by buying clothing, whether that's by coming to one of our events or when that's just by sharing our videos or our stories, um, you know, online or telling their friends about us. So, um, yeah, but it's, it's a key part of, um, yeah, why we exist. But, but also the innovation with the programs as well, you know, like we have, we're sort of driven by the data and the feedback by the young people, um, you know, and getting people like Nike and Champion in the same room, you know, to collaborate on this, um, on this problem is something that sort of, you know, might probably hasn't been been done before in the sense that we're bringing um, partners from a brand perspective, but also um, from services as well to bring them all together to work on this common goal. Um, and I think, yeah, so innovation and creativity is sort of not just from a brand perspective, but from a business as a whole uh, since we since we started really. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> And you're right. I don't think I've ever seen brands like that come together with something that's, you know, a purpose rather than kind of making money. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love if we could kind of look into the future, perhaps, um, you know, what's next for Homie? Like, I feel like you guys are constantly, um, you know, on the lookout for ways to, I guess, guess get brand awareness and get people wearing the walking billboards, I suppose. Mm. <laughs> what's next for you guys? Like, what are your aspirations for the future? Yeah, we, we talk a lot about, um, I guess, conscious growth, right? So it's for, for us, we never want to try and um, bite off more than we can chew. And we, we apply that sort of strengths-based approach to sort of our, um, you know, um, approach to business really as well in the sense that I think there are some logical steps. We're really keen to increase our, our brand's visibility. I mean, I think we, we'd love to become known not just for what we do, but the way we do it. You know, that we work with youth homelessness to try and prevent it from becoming a chronic thing and we provide pathways to employment and look that might be pretty complex but it's a journey right so so for us i think um you know hopefully you'll see more visibility um you know just i guess within both um i guess where we where we started uh, you know melbourne itself but also expanding that you know to some other major cities with whether that's a pop-up or uh through collaborations with you know um our partners like champion etra um i think um you know the, the goal and the hope is that we can get some more awareness uh you know towards uh the business because as mark has said without any profit there's no purpose and, and we are not for profit but we're trying to make as much profit as possible to be able to expand our programs and that's really important to us so i guess we're also um optimistic and hopefully we think we can broke um, more uh, relationships in terms of, um, you know, other retail partners and, and values aligned businesses that might want to, um, you know, adopt, um, you know, our, our approach and, and, and collaborate alongside us as well. So, 
um, yeah, we're, we're pretty keen to make some pretty considerable noise about this. And, and that's why it's great to jump on a, you know, platform such as yours and, and, and speak directly at the coalface to, to colleagues, you know, potential collaborators, because uh, we, we know we can't do it alone. And, and that's a strength, I think, is our, our partnerships are, are very critical to our success. So we are looking actively to, to find more people who we can work alongside. Um, because it's also for us, we, we understand we don't have to open, you know, hundreds of stores. We can, why, why can't we influence the way that others do business? There are already these amazing, you know, infrastructures and teams and, um, you know, brands that we can actually just, I guess, align with um, and we can leverage what they already have to, to expand the impact. So we're also conscious. We don't want to be greedy. You know, we, we think, well, we can actually affect change as well uh, through through working alongside others. So that's also, I guess, um, part of our approach. But maybe, Marcus, you might want to, I guess, speak about any of the, the brand horizon things um, that are on the cards. Yeah, I guess it's sort of the talent there is just, you know, becoming more of a household name and, and you know, getting more clothing on, onto the backs of people so we can just foster more of a community and, and you know, um, people engage in what we're doing and, and just keep that conversation going and why this issue is so important and how retail can, and clothing brands can make such an impact on, on the issue of homelessness. So, yeah, for us and the brands team, it's, you know, about you know, building up the brand as big as we can, getting, you know, getting it onto as many people as possible and, and just sharing that message of positivity and, and kindness and, and hoping that we can make a real impact. One last question, and it's the question we pretty much um, ask everyone to finish these podcasts. If you could look into a crystal ball <laughs> and predict the future of retail, let's say in the next five years, what do you think are some of the key things that might change or might happen? Um, I think we'll see, um, as we're already, you know, um, realising, you know, people are craving, you know, um, that sort of hybrid model and, and you know, um, that bricks and mortar, I mean, pending writing out some of these economic, you know, um, fluctuations. Uh, we've certainly seen, you know, really heavy engagement in the post-COVID environment in a in a human, you know, sort of level. And, and I guess we think there'll be a lot of, businesses and um, we hope there are actually that are doing similar things uh, to what we're doing is is the hope whether that's through you know working alongside us but as you say embedding purpose uh, you know as, as part of their um, you know I guess core offering as you say probably hopefully a different perspective on yes we want to try and make profit of course and as much profit as we possibly can but what about we think about you know allocating a portion of that to to something, to something that our team or you know um, our, our, our organisation believe in, and, and affecting change via that means. So I, I hope we'll just see a lot more businesses with purpose, and it's never too late. You know, I guess it's it's never too late to the party to actually make a change, right? So so I think that would be my my perspective is that hopefully we see more and more you know human connections and interactions or that hybrid. Marcus probably have a completely different um, perspective to me because obviously he loves all the Web three stuff and um, all of all of that AI. I'm sure that'll be part of his answer, but um, but I do. Think, yeah, there'll be a lot more businesses. Hopefully, I, I do, and as I say, like, that's a positive thing. If there are more people who are, who are doing what we're doing or similar things, um, that is a great thing. So, so we, we really um, hope that's the case, and we also would like to help people um, reach that as well if that's a goal of theirs. Brilliant, and Marcus. Yeah, um, you know, completely aligned with Nick there. You know, that's that's the ultimate goal. Um, but is there a way also that we can um, dip into sort of other? other innovative ways to create an impact as well. You know, like there's a big 
influence and shift into digital fashion, whether that's um, in gaming as well, which is massive. Um, uh, there's a big conference coming to Melbourne in October and they're expecting, you know, 100,000 people to be in the city and, and part of this big gaming conference. And, you know, is there a way, you know, to work in fashion and, and um, you know, in that sort of area, and, uh, more of a digital realm as people uh, are more online. Um, so, yeah, looking at different things like that and different opportunities for us moving forward and just trying to expand our, our network and reach, really. Well, that's all we have time for today. We thoroughly hope you enjoyed this episode and we can't wait to bring you another great guest next time. If you'd like to support the Retail Wrap-Up podcast, you know where to find us on Instagram at Retail Oasis, on LinkedIn, and make sure to subscribe to receive notification when we drop a new episode. We'd love to hear from you, our loyal listeners, by way of a review or drop us a guest suggestion via one of our social media channels. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to bringing you more retail expertise next episode. Bye.